This episode is brought to you by EHR Go. Go is a simulated electronic health record with a catalog of realistic and diverse patient care scenarios included. Go helps educators teach a human-centered approach to technology in healthcare. Find out more at healthpodcastnetwork.com slash rocket. That's healthpodcastnetwork.com slash rocket. Hey, welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Today, I have the privilege of having Dave Chase on the podcast again. If you haven't listened to his initial podcast episode, feel free to check him out on the website. Just type in Dave Chase in the search bar, outcomesrocket.health. Dave is a hope merchant. He's a creator of a health rosetta author of The Opioid Crisis Wake-Up Call, and author of a most recent book that we're going to be talking about today. It is an extraordinary time to be thinking about how we are rethinking healthcare. And Dave, and with his experience with Health Rosetta and his experience across different companies, he's doing a great thing for us uh, in helping us think through what the future of healthcare could be And so uh, I'm privileged to have them back here on the podcast today. If you haven't heard of Health Rosetta, they're an ecosystem for scaling adoption of practical, nonpartisan fixes to our healthcare system by enabling public and private employers and unions to reduce their health benefit spending by 20% or more while improving the quality of care for plan members. Just an extraordinary work that he and his team are up to. In today's interview, we're going to dive into his new book. And the title of that book is Relocalizing Health. And, uh, you know, the future of healthcare is local, open, and independent. And so with that intro, Dave, I want to welcome you back to the podcast. Thanks for joining. Thanks. Really appreciate you having me back. Yeah, likewise. And so, Dave, you know, the typical script, we're we're putting it off to the side. This is obviously your second round with us. But I do want to go back to what does inspire your work, because you know, that's one question that always merits revisiting. So why do you do what you do? What inspires you to get up every day and do what you do? Well, really what's firing me up now is is really, frankly, restoring the American dream. I mean, what put me on this journey, however, was one where, unfortunately, by the time I was 40, I'd had 10 friends my age or younger die. And of course, all of those are gut punches, but the last one was particularly brutal. And to make a long story short, it was a complete system failure by our healthcare system. And this is somebody who had a career, you know, somewhat similar to my own, done the right things, done quite well, but at the end of the day, got the wrong diagnosis, of course, led to the wrong treatment plan, you know, devastated her medically, psychologically, financially, leaving behind, um, you know, as a single mother, a 10-year-old daughter. And, you know, that was like brutal. And I was like, that's really what got me digging in, asking why a lot. You know, I was one of those people who just, why, 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 why? And you get to the root cause of issues. And fundamentally, it's not that we lack for money that we're spending on healthcare. It's not that we're lacking for incredible, talented, gratification-delaying clinicians. We've got all that in this country. It's that the way we purchase healthcare in this country is fundamentally and radically flawed. And it has all kinds of collateral damage. And so we're all about changing that over. And, you know, we can go into, of course, more detail and I could, you know, filibuster the next 30 minutes on that. But 
that's the big picture. And it's really a good news story now, but it started, you know, through some real tragedy in, in my life and really the lives of my friends. Yeah, Dave, I feel you, man. I mean, we all have our healthcare story, you know, something that didn't go well, or we were charged too much, or we didn't know. And, and whether it's us as individuals or, you know, we're leaders of companies, right? So what's happening to our companies as a result of these things to our government? And so, so the premise of your book, relocalizing healthcare, you know, assumes, okay, it's not, it's not local right now. Talk to us about that and, you know, why this is the premise. Yeah. I mean, some of it's common sense, right? You know, health doesn't start in a pill or a hospital, right? It starts at home with mom, dad. And then it fans out from there, your neighborhood, your community. We know that at least 80% of health outcomes are driven by things other than the sick care system, yet it's the kind of a system run amok that has stolen from the things that drive health and well-being. The data is very clear there. It's stolen from education. Bill Gates devoted an entire TED Talk to that. Stolen from public safety, clean air, clean water. I have data in the book about you know, draws from Massachusetts, it could be any state. And you look at, you know, you bring it down to sort of a local level. One of the things that I'll say is healthcare isn't expensive. After all, clinicians only get 27 cents of every dollar ostensibly spent on healthcare. What's expensive is profiteering, price gouging, fraud, administrative bloat. And you take a county like the one I live in, kind of give you really bring it home to local, about a quarter million people. So all ages, we spend about two and a half billion dollars on healthcare in our county. At least a billion, very conservatively, gets extracted out of our local economy, Hmm. basically to Wall Street. And what's more local than interaction between a patient and doctor? This makes no sense. And even if we just repatriated 10% of that, imagine in our economy, what a hundred million dollars recurring could be doing in our community. And so you know, in the book, you know, and you flip over the the back of the book, I got it here. Like there's this like, basically this like five-step plan that spells uh-huh. out local. And it's quite a straightforward process. There's a lot of people who want to complicate healthcare. And of course, specifics of medicine are complicated, but the way we pay and organize doesn't have to be. And so it's basically time for a reset. And that's what the, the book outlines. I think it's so interesting. And by the way, folks, stick around because on the tail end of this interview, Dave is giving the book away. <laughs> so you'll have the link to get that. Just uh, But today we're going to talk to you a little bit about what it's about. I mean, I'm intrigued by this number that you just shared. So two and a half billion and one billion is extracted. Can you zoom into that? Like what happens? Yeah, what happens is, you know, a good, you know, I'd say there'd be two things that would sort of jump out as big examples. One is in drug spending. There's these companies called pharmacy benefit managers. Most people haven't heard. These are some of the biggest companies in the world, Fortune 50. In some cases, they're making more money than the pharmaceutical companies on a drug. In fact, there's only one pharmaceutical company in the Fortune 50. It's not even a pure pharmaceutical company. It's Johnson & Johnson. Mm -hmm. Yet you've got some of the biggest companies in the world nobody's heard of. And the gains are endless there. So the the good news is there's a lot of low-hanging fruit there. So that's one example. There's all kinds of shenanigans going on there. Mm -hmm. Spread pricing, rebates, clawbacks. There's all kinds of stuff. And then the other huge example, actually the biggest area spend, is with hospitals. And what's happened there is there's two markets. The market that I talk about 
in the book, which has really grown explosively over the last five to 10 years, is what I call the real market. And in the era of high deductibles, cash pay and direct contracts between an employer, a union, and a healthcare provider has really changed the equation. And it's quite amazing that there's these things you probably some of you have heard called PPO networks, right? They probably made sense at one time point in time. Now they're kind of a glorified yellow pages. Have you ever heard of yellow pages for you younger people? Um, (laughs) And they're basically just a value extraction device where it's very, very common for the same service to be charged five or 10 times the same rate. And it's, it's odd where you have, you know, an employer who's, you know, employers in aggregate are paying for about half of healthcare in this country. And an employer that will reject an expense report for missing some $76 restaurant receipt will pay sight unseen a six-figure bill. And I can tell you, having early been in my, you know, earlier in my career working in hospitals in their billing department, I don't think there's ever been a hospital bill over $10,000 that hasn't gone out without an error. And we have examples all the time. And one of my favorite examples of a creative employer was they said, okay, you know, we can have third parties who can check claims and bills, but who's the best sort of bill analyzer? Well, the patient and their family, they were there. And so they said to the employees, hey, if you find an error that we were going to pay that we don't pay, we'll give you a 20% finder's fee. And so lo and behold, a woman had a charge, $200,000 that was in error. They were going to pay. And so what they did was, you know, pull out the Ed McMahon, you know, giant check and <laughs> presented her, you know, at the office with a $40,000 check. And this was somebody's making a little over $50,000. Wow. Game changer. Everybody in the office is like, yeah. whoa, like I had to go look at these bills. Let me go look um, at my bills. <laughs> and so it's just, it's just run amok basically on this price gouging. And so you have that over and over and over. And so in our case, the hospital is owned by an out of town chain. We've got all the PPO shenanigans, you've got the PBM shenanigans. Again, go back to clinicians are only getting 27 cents of every dollar. And in this chapter, I have about in the real market, the prices are flat. There's data now five to 10 years where in this real market that I've talked about, prices haven't gone. Again, think about it. Have the inputs fundamentally changed? Are we getting, are we charging different for sutures? Are nurses and doctors paid fundamentally different than 10 years ago? No, a little bit, but not much. About the only area that's really gone up is specialty farming you know, pharmacy. And so when you do this type of thing, you know, when we were chatting earlier, I talked about Pacific Steel, you know, they went from spending over 8 million to under three and a half million by putting in 5,000 direct contracts. This is just a 700 person company. These are incredibly fair, simple contracts like you'd expect anywhere else in your life. It's just not the norm in healthcare. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. Does technology and healthcare education sometimes feel like the tail wagging the dog? You should check out EHR Go. Go uses case-based learning to teach a human-centered approach to technology and healthcare education. With over 300 multifaceted patient cases presented in realistic, simulated electronic health records, Go helps students build clinical judgment skills while also learning to effectively document with an EHR. When working in Go, students have to evaluate and organize competing healthcare needs in a levels of urgency while making simple to complex clinical judgments about their patient care, just like in real life. You Used in all educational healthcare disciplines, Go could be used within or between programs and is the ideal platform for interprofessional education. 
web-based with no software to download or maintain. Go could be used on any computer or browser for in-person learning or for remote or hybrid lessons. Go is the only educational platform that puts human care at the heart of technology. Learn more about Go by visiting healthpodcastnetwork.com slash rocket. That's healthpodcastnetwork.com slash rocket. So the opportunity is big, right? And so I appreciate you helping us understand how this wealth is being extracted. Some great examples there, Dave, and and more in the book. Uh, but you know, chapter two is is healthcare is breaking local, state, and federal budgets. And you call out how healthcare's hyperinflation is breaking U.S. schools. Yeah, and that's actually the title of Bill Gates' TED Talk. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, and that it's been probably eight or nine years now. He used California data. In the book, I have Massachusetts data, but it really could be any state. You talk to any governor, you talk to any mayor, right? They all have this kind of one uncontrolled expense. And, you know, in that that local thing that I showed on the back of the book, it's an acrostic, it spells out local. And the first L is, you know, basically leave behind kind of status quo mindset. And that's the big thing is you just have to have a mindset shift that a lot of people think that healthcare is trying to solve it is like trying to solve Middle East peace. Like they'd like to solve that too, but it seems kind of hopeless and out of their control. So we disabuse them of that notion and walk them through the steps. And it isn't actually that hard, but unfortunately what most people do is, you know, kind of lipstick pigs and paved cow paths rather than doing a reset. And in healthcare, about every 50 years, there's a fundamental reset. And I believe that the combination of this COVIDian sword that's sli- you know, slicing through the Gordian knot that we call our status quo healthcare system and a generational shift. You know, millennials are the biggest chunk of the workforce today, biggest generation in history. By 2025, millennials and post-millennials are going to be 75% of the workforce. They've got no loyalty to the status quo. And I actually heard a great definition of status quo. It's, it's Latin for the mess we're in. And so <laughs> let's use this this opportunity to do this reset. I do believe COVID is like a World War II like event. And you see a lot of massive changes that happen coming out of World War II during and after World War II, both in our country and UK and other places. And I fundamentally believe that that's happening and we've seen it already. It's accelerating things. Like I mentioned earlier, the budget deficits, there's a city that we're working with that has, it's about a $7 million deficit because of tax receipts going down. We've, you know, proposed a plan based on lots of previous success that will take their spending from 22 million to 15 million. Guess what? You know, problem solved. So those are the types of things that are happening now as people of, you know, necessity is mother invention, you know, that's definitely applying here. Totally. Yeah. You know, Dave, it's a, it's a good uh, example, right? It, it's a societal problem. You know, it, it's a thing that's happening. You, you use World War II as an example, right? I had another friend that compared it to the Spanish flu of 1918 that led to the roaring 20s we can see change right now if we make the right moves and yeah. and you know the there's there's openness right now we have a window yeah, yeah you know and there's this opportunity to have that traction and then he shared a timeline shout out to you jim for for that timeline it was basically pandemic 2020 restabilization 2021 and boom 
2022. And But in order to, for this to work, we have to take advantage of the open window for innovation. Yeah, And you're doing that in a, in a very interesting way, Dave, in, in the ideas that you've laid out. And you know, one of the things that I love is that at the end of each chapter, you give key takeaways and things to think about. Can you share some of those? Yeah. I mean, one of the big ones is there's this role that a lot of people don't even know about that's called a benefits broker, sometimes benefits consultant, benefits advisors, different terms. And they're the people who advise companies on what goes in their health plan. And the best ones are worth their weight in gold. And that's the people that we accredit. Unfortunately, it's a lot like what happened with stockbrokers. If you're old enough to remember what stockbrokers were, you know, they were around 20, 30 years ago. They largely went the way of the dodo bird, but the smart ones reinvented themselves as financial and wealth advisors and whole new categories of financial advice and models and like robo advisors now via tech, you know, emerged. And the, the problem is the way the industry was set up is these people who are positioning themselves as representing the buyers are paid by the sellers. And so that is a guarantee of massive conflicts of interest and lack of disclosure. And we have found up to 17 undisclosed revenue streams the employer had no idea about. And, you know, one of my co-founders, he's a securities attorney, you know, he's got a securities license. He was, you know, involved in massive fraud cases. And he's, you know, just been in healthcare the last five to seven years. And he's just stunned. He's like, oh my gosh, what standard operating procedure would get you thrown in jail in financial services? And so that's one of the big takeaways is people always ask me, what's the first thing I do? You know, we're, we're a, you know, a 40 person ma and pa, you know, retail, you know, we're a thousand person manufacturer, whatever it is. What's the first thing you got to do? You got to hire the right benefits advisor with the right aligned interests. We have sponsored bill of rights. It's both in the book and our site. We've got an advisor, benefits advisor, code of conduct. We have a benefits advisor disclosure forum in terms of compensation. For most people outside the industry, these look like motherhood and apple pie, but they're a 180 from the status quo and who apply to be in the program. Uh, about 1,500 have started, 214 have made it through. And in this last cohort, we've had hospital CEO, clinicians such as physical therapists and MDs, Saul Marquez, White House policy advisor. Uh, just kidding on that. But no, it's, it's really cool to see um, the people who've made the switch because it is really fulfilling work when you actually have the right aligned interest to be able to help people. And it's, you know, you bet it's great to have the the story with the CFO, but the best stories, like the one I talked about in my TED talk, you know, an employer who's been in doing over 20 years, cumulatively, they've saved over $400 million. What they've done for their workforce and their community, unbelievable. And among, you know, one of the punchlines, I won't go away the whole story is crime went down 67%. High school graduations more than doubled from 45% to nearly 100% in this community that they adopted with just 5% of what they say, or just a very specific human example. There's one of the organizations we've worked with, they own convenience stores. So there was this there is this cashier who was on a pretty expensive medication. So she um, you know, had out-of-pocket expenses herself with it. Of course, the company was spending a bunch of money. And once they revamped their health benefits, all the cost sharing went away. 
because there was so much money uh, saved up. So what did that mean for her? For the first time that she'd been married and had kids, they were able to take a vacation. They had never been able to go anywhere, take a vacation. Now they were able to do that. You know, this is somebody making less than $15 an hour. Those kinds of stories happen all the time. I mentioned Pacific Steel, you know, a forklift driver who just retired tapped out making $45,000 a year, retired with a seven-figure nest egg because nice. you know, about half of that was because of uh, what happened to healthcare. They happened to be an employee stock-owned company. I mean, so it's really exciting. That's what draws in people that were, you know, White House policy advisors in the hospital, CEO veteran, 21 different hospitals. It's really amazing the sort of magnet that's been created with this. So Dave, and so, I mean, and this is gets to the center of it, you know, keeping healthcare local. So these folks that are joining, they're different than the typical people joining, right? And so what are they getting out of it? And it being Health Rosetta and the program you guys put together, um, yeah. what are they getting out of it? Yeah, I mean, there's a, you know, there's, there's a people who've been outside trying to affect things from outside of this particular arena who mm -hmm. then saw this lever the majority aren't, you know, yet aren't the career switchers. They're the people who've been doing it. And, you know, we had uh, Marshall Allen, who's a, probably the best investigative journalist in healthcare. He came to our last in-person event pre-COVID. Yeah. And one of his observations was, you know, it's like, wow, I was looking around and I was surprised, like, how many middle-aged white guys were here. I was just expecting this to be kind of early career people. And here's the thing was they'd been in the industry 20, 30 years and were really frustrated with delivering bad news every year. Hey guys, great news, pay more, get less. That's been the health benefit story. You know, those wage gains, yeah, they've been gone for 20 years, but boy, we've got this new, you know, challenge, step challenge. Let's get excited about that. Like they were just fried on that. Mm -hmm. And so I mean, really heartfelt stories I get from people like, oh my gosh, I can actually deliver good news. I know where the bodies are buried. I now have been awakened. And it's interesting. These people who've been, I haven't been in this part of the industry until fairly recently, but just was, you know, why, 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 why get to the, the root cause. And they just been breathing this air and only knew of a certain set of solutions that the carriers gave to them. And the thing that's, the other thing that's weird about the way the industry is set up is not only they position themselves as representing the buyer paid by the seller, but the way they are set up with their relationship with the carriers, at a drop of a dime, if they don't toe the line, they might be getting 30%, 40%, 50% of their revenue. That can get cut off in 30 days. So they, it's called losing your appointment. And so that's a heck of a you know sword hanging over right, the day. Right. And these people just said, like, enough. And so when they move into this new model, at one level, yeah, maybe your your golf handicap is going to go up some. It is more work, but the rewards are there. I mean, the analogy I would draw is having kids. I think a lot of us, maybe if we knew how much work it was going to be before we had kids, we might not have done it. But then once you have kids and it's so rewarding and so fulfilling, you're really glad that you had it. And that's kind of that way. Well, like they're re-energized, they're doing great work and, and they should be paid fairly. Some of them have bonuses built into their compensation if they reduce costs. This isn't just about slowing the growth I mean, it's one of the goofy things in the industry is they will, people will call savings and air quotes something where, oh yeah, premiums were supposed to go up 5 million and they only went up 4 million. So that's a million dollars savings. Like that's not savings. Yeah. I'm talking about going from spending, you know, 10 million 
to spending six million. Like that's yeah, actually a net reduction, not a net increase. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's game changing stuff. Uh, I think uh, you know, as as I mentioned, folks, the the window is open right now. This is the time. And uh, and while a lot of folks are are you know running around with fear, this is an opportunity for you to take a step back and and make some great decisions. And the framework here that Dave offers is is unique. Dave, what's the link for the book? Where can yeah, they, you where just can go they... to healthrosetta.org, right front and center. Uh, there's a couple that says "Get the book," and you can right. get a free download of the PDF there. You can go, you know, buy it online if you want, but try it out. You know, check it out, see if it's it's worth it. The other thing you'll see when you get to the site is both a true and aspirational statement. We say, "Healthcare's fixed. Fixed. Join us to replicate the fixes." So. The point is, all the solutions have already been invented. They've been proven and modestly replicated. They're not the mainstream yet. Don't get me wrong. Yep. That's where the work really comes. It's not figuring out the solutions that are there. It's how, in the face of three and a half trillion reasons to protect the status quo, do you make it happen? And so there we've we followed a system change model that's been very effective in other areas. And that's what we're following here. That's great, Dave. And, and folks, you know, we're going to touch on one more thing before we conclude. And that's chapter eight. You run a healthcare business, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and yeah. so I love that. I love that so much. Talk to us about that. And, you know, like what, one example that I've heard is, you know, okay, you're running this business. You will put a committee together if you're going to buy 80 trucks and yeah. you're going to have that purchase analyzed inside and out. But yet you buy 80 back surgeries and you don't even look at it twice. You know, th think about that, folks. That, that, that yeah. one got me. That yeah. one got me. Yeah. So Dave, I, talk to us about this and uh, give us some perspective here. Yeah. I mean, we and we actually had a, a CEO present at our last summit that really talked about it in kind of a supply chain. And every CEO I think I've ever heard has said, employees are our most valuable asset, right? And I would argue that, and this is often the second, third, fourth biggest expense in a company after payroll. You know, Warren Buffett famously said, you know, GM is a health care company with a auto company attached to it because they spend more on health benefits than steel. You know, Starbucks spends more on health benefits than than coffee. And so this is a chapter that's really resonated with people is, and it really always say is put the same problem solving mindset, just as you alluded to, that you apply in any area, apply value and and don't accept the the status quo because there is a solution. And that particular line came from a guy who was a private equity firm where they'd acquire, they acquired companies. And so let's say they hired a, or acquired a manufacturing company. Of course, they got access to all their financials. And in the first meeting they have with the CEO, um, the first question is they'd ask, how's your healthcare business? And the CEO kind of <laughs> like gives a puzzled look like, uh, what? we're a manufacturer, you know? And, and then you say, well, how's your $12 million uh, healthcare business? And then kind of the light bulb goes on like, oh, like, yeah, would we, you know, apply the same resource to a $12 million division or purchase or whatever? No, like we would bring a talent, a resources and get a result. Um, and so that's really the essence of that is be serious. If you believe employees are your most valuable asset and we're putting them into a system that has produced world-leading, undisputed world-leading medical bill-driven bankruptcy, and 70% of those people had, quote-unquote, insurance, 
are you stewarding that asset well? So that's really the, the key thing. There. That's a big part of that mindset shift. Huge. Dave, I can't thank you enough. This this is great. Um, hey, a teaser. Uh, chapter nine is steps for business leaders looking to prevent loans and layoffs. And then there's five steps. I mean, it's incredible stuff, Dave. Just a reminder to everybody, it's healthrosetta.org. Just go to the website. The book is there for free. You'll get to download it. Big thanks to Dave for coming on and, and sharing his his wisdom and his work and his mission with all of us. Dave, I, I can't thank you enough. What closing thought would you leave us with? And you know, where can people continue engaging? Yep. Well, you already shared on where to engage. Just go to the site or connect with me on LinkedIn, you know, and, and social media. I'm Chase Dave on just about everything. But probably here's the the parting word. The Calvary's not coming from DC to fix healthcare. We've had both parties in full control. No industry spends more than healthcare to protect the status quo, spend more on lobbying than oil and gas, defense, and financial services combined. It's on us, right? It's on us. And it's in our power. Wherever we have influence, it could be with our local school district, could be with our employer, could be with you know, municipality, we might be a business owner ourselves or business decision maker. It is within our power. This isn't some abstract concept that's not impacting people. And and I think sometimes people look at healthcare as like the separate magic money pot that's separate from the rest of the world. Now, this is clearly what has driven 20 years of wage stagnation and decline for the working middle class. It is a solvable problem, but we all have to step up. As you mentioned earlier, this is a great reset time. Let's not, you know, I'm going to butcher it, but you know, what did Hamilton say? You know, don't, I'm not going to miss my shot. Like this is a shot. Go yeah. for it. Yeah. Love it. Don't waste this opportunity, folks, to make change. Dave, can't thank you enough for this perspective of relocalizing health. This is a fresh idea for me. And I hope for everybody listening, it was fresh for you too. And uh, fresh in a way that inspires action. Uh, because ultimately, that's where change is gonna is going to come from. So, Dave, can't thank you enough, man. Thanks for uh, spending time with us. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Love your show. 